authors, I'm Joanne Morell, children's and young adult fiction writer and author of short nonfiction for authors. Thanks for joining me for the Hybrid Author Podcast, sharing interviews from industry professionals to help you forge a career as a hybrid author, both independently and traditionally publishing your books. You can get the show notes for each episode and sign up for your free author pass over at the Hybrid Author website to discover your writing process, get tips on how to publish productively and get comfortable promoting your books at www.hybridauthor.com.au. Let's crack on with the episode. Happy 1st of July. I hope you're all keeping well in whatever part of the world you reside and listen to the podcast in. It's a very special episode today as it is the first of going full time with the podcast. You can now expect weekly episodes instead of fortnightly hitting your inbox every Friday. So to celebrate, we're starting the weekly episodes with today's esteemed guest, author, academic and Fremantle Press publisher, Georgia Richter, who talks about her and Deborah Hunt's publication, How to Be an Author, The Business of Being a Writer in Australia. Georgia kindly shares her take on successful author careers, why building an author brand is important, whether authors should run their author business with a bookseller's mindset, and how authors might juggle the writing life alongside family, the day job, and other commitments. So, in my author adventure this past week, (laughs) I attended a storyteller festival that was put on by the Literature Centre here in Western Australia and in Fremantle. And it was held at the Fremantle Library, which I've never been to before, and it was actually a really big library. It's got like three levels or something. Really great space for a community and a great place to hold it. One of the events was like the sound of picture books with Meg McKinley and Matt Otterley's How to Make a Bird picture book and they were talking about the creation of that and it was set sort of on a decking bit outside and it was a really lovely sunny day so we were lucky for that Um, and then I stayed on for uh, it was the Centre for Stories which is another writing organisation here in Perth we're very lucky to have so many wonderful organisations here I think it was supposed to be like a youth panel but I think because of Covid a lot of the kids came down with that and they couldn't make it so there was some older adults who were telling their stories and it was like oral storytelling and it was so empowering shout out to Sandy Parsons who's a Squibby West member uh, who stood up and told her story about cystic fibrosis and her dog and it was really moving and she was a wonderful storyteller as well and yeah th- those were some incredible stories and then I went to uh, How to Write Across All Genres workshop with Kath Moore and uh, Moore I'm not sure if I'm saying that right. And I bought her book and she was fantastic. What a great speaker. Loads of knowledge. Had gone to film school and uh, just just talking about although you have an idea, so say you have an idea for a novel and it does you know you work hard on it and you put it out there and it doesn't get picked up. She's talking about writing that idea out in a different format. So whether it be for a feature movie or for television or just something, just to try it in different ways. It might work as something else rather than just one thing. So that was really interesting and I've you know heard of that before. And then uh, for the final part of the day there was a a pitching session so the uh, not the uh, Fremantle Press publisher we have today but the lovely children's publisher at Fremantle Press Kate Sutherland I think um, she was she was doing the the pitch alongside the editor from there and illustrators and uh, authors as well and there was quite a big big room full of people and there was so many um 
so many kids got up and pitched their idea. You had three minutes and uh, in that time, obviously, you did your pitch and you were allowed some feedback of how to make to make it better. That was what the, the point of the session was. But, you know, I have spoke before, I've run workshops before and I've done all that. But pitching's not something I have a lot of experience in. So I wanted to do it just to start getting some experience in that kind of area. And even before I went and even before the event, you know, things going through my mind like... Um, maybe I'll just tell them that I had to leave at the end of the day or something you know to try and get out of it and that was it was funny to watch my mind starting to find escape routes or whatever because of me obviously thinking about it and being a little bit nervous but not not as much as what I used to be in the past so that's a good point to say that the more that you practice the more you put yourself out the more you just keep pushing through these thoughts and fears that arise when you feel fear you start to get over it and you know you can only get better and it was so it was better doing it than not doing it to receive the feedback I did and it was quite positive and good good stuff to work on as well so that was really good but you know (laughs) waiting for my name to be called oh my gosh my I noticed that my and these are the physical symptoms that happen to my body I just can't you know they'll they'll get better obviously but I was uh, dry mouth was the worst and I kept drinking water it wasn't helping and my tongue felt like a big slug in my mouth and I was just like oh my goodness and I got up and I was just very shaky you know really but I did it and I don't think I don't think it looked like I was too nervous but wait in that in that space there was everybody getting up and doing it and people understand like how hard it is to kind of stand up and put yourself out there so it's yeah I think it's you're not being judged really (laughs) in that setting so yeah it was good and just a shout out to Lorraine Horsley if she's listening who nailed her amazing pitch and I can't wait to hold that pitch in my hand when it gets published so good on you Lorraine So if you love the podcast or any of the episodes that have helped you further in your author career, you can now pay it forward by buying me a coffee over at www.buymeacoffee.com slash the hybrid author and that's capital T on the, all capitals hybrid and capital A on author, all one word. Or you can leave me a review on whatever platform you listen to the podcast on. Nothing big, just a line or two to let me and others who might write like you know how the podcast is helping further your author career. Let's all support each other. Anyway, that's enough about me. Let's crack on with the episode. Georgia Richter has been the publisher of fiction, narrative nonfiction and poetry at Fremantle Press since 2008. She holds an MA in creative writing from UWA and has taught editing, professional writing and creative writing at the universities of Melbourne, Western Australia and Curtin. With Deb Hun, she is the author of How to Be an Author, The Business of Being a Writer in Australia. Amazing. Welcome to the Hybrid Author Podcast, Georgia. Thanks, Georgia. How are you? I'm well, thank you. From your bio, it sounds like you've had an amazing lot of achievements so far how is it you came to join the exciting world of writing and publishing when I was young I thought I was going to be a writer when I grew up that was a dream I had for a really long time and I went to do an MA in creative writing ditched a law degree one of the best things I ever did and then while I was at university and I started tutoring and teaching others and run and doing workshops and so forth I discovered actually that I was very good at editing and moreover that editing was a job which if someone had told me years earlier I I would have been better off but from there 
I started a freelance editing business with my friend Deb Fitzpatrick when our kids were little. And then in 2008, I was invited to join the team at Fremantle Press as their fiction publisher. That's amazing. I never knew that about you and Deb. She's been a guest on the podcast before. She's fantastic. She is. She's great. Oh, great. So, well, there's just so many topics I could talk to you about today, but we're going to focus on your recent publication, How to Be an Author, The Business of Being a Writer in Australia, which is obviously authored by yourself and Deb Hunt. Can you share with us you know, how is it and why this book came into fruition and, you know, how, how is it being received so far by the public? In answer to your last question, I think the public is very glad it's there and it's sort of surprising such a book wasn't there before. And I'll start with the why because it was a means of formalising the conversations that as publishers we have everywhere we go, you know, at writers' festivals and when we're sitting on panels and when we're doing workshops and the sorts of questions that writers have. And it really came into focus when Fremantle Press began to assist with the running of the four centres emerging writers program that the state government funded. And we began to understand that this information shouldn't just be in the hands of the people we were talking to, but it could be in many, many more hands if we published a book containing all that information. And then when I thought, okay, so how do I go about this? A long time ago, Deb Hahn at Curtin talked to me about putting together a book which featured writers on writing. So she seemed like she was a really good person to pair up with, especially with her grassroots creative writing workshop teaching experience. And we really began to put together the book by brains storming all the different topics that we would like to cover and deciding very quickly that we would also lean a lot on the input of Claire Miller, the marketing manager here at Fremantle Press. So all that knowledge went into it as well. And then when we began thinking about how do we cover off on genres, we didn't want to make the book genre specific. Nonetheless, we invited 18 different writers from all sorts of genres to respond to a whole series of questions that we had so that we could represent all sorts of voices from authors who see that as part of their own business. So they may even contradict each other, some of the responses, but we we really wanted that breadth of expression for writers who wanted to learn about the business. Yeah, no, that's fantastic. And when I picked up the book and even just in the first couple of pages, like it connected with me greatly. Like I felt understood because writing can be, quite solitary and and I've always found other writers experiences like you said can differ from one another but I just felt the book nailed my experiences it just felt like I was having a conversation with a friend that I wanted to have if that makes sense because no one kind of understands in my family what I do I suppose and if all my writing friends that they get it to some point but having the book was having a conversation that I felt like I needed to have and that's where it just connected with me immediately so I was so turning the pages rapidly but so I think you really really achieved something incredible there. I I think another thing that we wanted to do was to make it the kind of book that if you have different questions at different stages you just dip in and go back and say let me refresh myself on that it's aimed for wherever you're at in the process so it's embracing you initially but it's also telling you a bunch of practical stuff you may not need to know till later 
but you will need to know it at some point. Definitely. Definitely. I think it's, um, it's such a good guide for aspiring authors, but then authors that are been doing it for quite a long time as well. I definitely felt like it's for, for all different types. But So the various sections of the book, because there's so much and it's it's incredible. You've covered a lot of ground in it. You know, there's a lot more work involved, I think, these days in having an author career than, say, in the past. Obviously, different times we live in. Can you divulge what you believe the key aspects to running a successful author business in 2022 are? And I guess, obviously, success to authors is different per individual. But I suppose that question's loaded behind maybe earning some sort of income from your book? Well, I think there are two things. I, I think one is understanding that you write because you're compelled to write and you love it and you'll do it no matter what. So I think knowing that, then you can look at the second component, which is, okay, so how can I earn some income from this? But I think it puts a lot of pressure on yourself if you think it's going to be your primary income. You know, research has shown that writers might only earn about 12 grand a year from their work <laughs> or from their book and if you think well how long a book takes etc so it's it's a ridiculously small sum another question to ask is how can you use your skills that you have as a writer I think to make a living while enabling you to do what you love so when you have a book out in the world should and must take every opportunity to pr promote it because that will help you to sell it but this promotion begins in daily practice even before you have a book so in your social media pres presence and your messaging and your building of audience so there, there are those kind of things where you can absolutely optimize how you are a successful author out in the world. But going back to what are the skills you have, you're a storyteller, you're literate, you can connect with people, you're empathetic. If you love teaching, you can channel it that way. Or do you actually just go for a job where you can keep your creative mind fresh and do something like be a cleaner or work in hospitality or whatever? So it's kind of, I guess, understand yourself, understand the importance of writing to you and understand the skills that you have as to how you're going to make your way forward as a, an earning writer in the world. Yeah, no, that's great advice there. So sort of obviously, you know, writing your book, realizing the book's just, it's almost the beginning, isn't it, of the, of your author business, I suppose, and using the book to further an income by presenting or things like that. And I suppose authorship as well, one one book, like you said, it's, it takes quite a long time to write a work and put your heart and soul into it. Um, to to put that out can can be time consuming. So yeah, I, I think um looking at this in the longer sense probably is is a good idea with authorship. I guess building a backlist for when the books can can earn you money. As long as your brain holds out, you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. there is no there's no end point on this and it really you're quite right it really is a long game but to put that pressure on yourself to say my book is going to earn my keep I think is a really unfair pressure you're better to deploy those writing skills to apply for grants and you know buy those little pockets of time and and um, income by using your skills so you can keep going but it's really having that vision of if writing is so central to you and your life and your sense of being in the world it's good to kind of have a framework and a vision for how you can make that work in practical terms yeah yeah no I get that for me I think because like we and for probably most authors like they love the book right and this is what they want to do and I guess 
to do it full time, you kind of have to earn a living from it. So that that's maybe where that comes from. But the same same thing. I have a family. I have a mortgage. I have all that. So I have part time day job Monday to Wednesday, and then on the rest of it spent uh, on the book business to support that at this stage. And that's a very typical kind of story, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so the book you mentioned as well, um, obviously promoting yourself and your book. And um, I suppose this comes under author brands and, and this is talked about in the book. Can you tell us what you mean by author brand and why building one's so important to authors' businesses these days? Sure. I think people feel a bit averse to the idea of having a brand. But James Foley, who's a children's writer and illustrator, he says you're going to have a brand whether you like it or not. So you might as well control it. And the thing to think about is that your brand is bigger than any one book and it is also dynamic. So brand, it's it's really about how you appear to the world, which can be your physical appearance. You might decide I'm going to have a look as a writer, but it's also about your opinions, the way you interact how you show your strengths and your vulnerabilities, how you engage with your community. And that's how you do these things in real life and how you do them on social media. So understanding your own brand is something you can sit down and work at and say, okay, what is my brand? And you would do that by making a list of what your visions and your values are and by being also prepared to share your journey along the way with the audience and the readers that you're working on building. So it's not always about the hard sell, but it's being in the community in a way that is nonetheless promoting your brand. It's important to be generous and remember to thank people as you go and also to have a really clear idea about who your audience is, who's going to read your book and who will buy your book because they're not necessarily the same thing. And then how do you find that audience and how do you interact with them when you find them? And building your brand is also about watching and learning from others, writers that you admire and seeing how they comport themselves and interact and express themselves. And it's also about becoming a part of a community. And I think above all, it's about being authentic. So if you're comfortable with yourself and your visions and values and you know who you are, then people will also understand your authenticity. I love that. Yeah, authenticity. That's that's fantastic point and some great points there as well. Do you believe if you write in different genres, say like I write in nonfiction and I self-publish that and I am looking for traditional representation for say my children's fiction. So that's two quite very different uh, genres of books. Do you believe that you can write in sort of multiple pen names, but then host them under one brand? Because nonfiction for me and my author, it, it just wasn't planned. And when I've set out and started to do both I struggled to find the time I I couldn't do both at all and so I had to merge them under I had to merge the two to be in the same place at the same time so that's effectively why hybrid author came around because I just thought well what what do these two things have in common you know the children's fiction and non-fiction which is aimed at authors and I thought well I am so I'm self-publishing one set and I'm looking for a different publishing experience for the other so that's how I've kind of created this but I, I, I have other ideas for other genres and other ideas to write in various things and I thought could I get away with having them all under one brand I'm not sure do you think it can be done for for different multiple pen names or I I think I think now anything's possible isn't it because everything is searchable so I think you can kind of have a portal or a website (laughs) whereby people come to you and then go into each of the the pen names I think you would need to go through that process with each of your your 
ourselves, compartmentalise and say, okay, what's this brand, what's this brand, and understand the crossovers but also the singular elements. I think the best thing to do is to go and look at the websites of, of writers that you know do this. So say Anna Jacobs who also writes as Shanna Jay or Sasha Wosley who's in How to Be an Author who has rural romance but then she writes paranormal mystery as S.D. Wosley and there's no sort of sense of discomfort about these websites. They're really well put together. There's a portal and then in you go to what's interesting and you may you may genre is but yeah I think nowadays it's very possible to have multiple pen names and do it that way. Yeah, no, that's great. That's a question that I've heard come up at various events and things. There's people who write in the children's genre, but then they write about gritty health issues as well. And they kind of think, well, how can I put those together? Yeah. I guess when it comes to social media, then you actually would remain continue to delineate so that you say, what is the platform for this genre? And there may be different, you know, it might be Facebook for your gritty health and it might be Insta and TikTok for your children's or whatever. But mixing them up there would just be visually confusing. So yeah. there are places to stay separate, but a website is a logical place to to show the full array. Yeah, I agree there. Because again, thinking about the, the various audiences that are on social media, I think is it Facebook's got kind of like an older demographic, whereas Instagram and I suppose TikTok and stuff, they're uh, younger and uh, LinkedIn's your professionals. And so, yeah, no, that's a good point. Thinking about audience there and then distributing your various pen names across that. But then you could have a website where it hosts hosts both. So no, that's good. Are you aware if, as a traditional publisher, I suppose, authors who maybe struggle to put themselves out on social media or because having a website as well it's quite technical they might in the beginning as well not have can afford to do it themselves or and they might not be quite technically minded or shy or whatever the reason to start building an offer brand um, and also a mindset thing as well if they're just starting out would it go against them if they were submitting their work and they don't have an author brand say against maybe somebody who does would you be less inclined to take them on if they didn't have an author brand or really it's just the work that speaks to it's it's the work that speaks to the publisher not so much the person very much work comes first so we look to the writing and say can we publish that and promote that now if someone's got masses and masses of followers of course that's attractive and also we might look on social media and and see if someone is unattractive in the sense (laughs) of the sorts of and this is where author brand is really important the way that you are represented on social media says an awful lot about you and there might be red flags that actually come up when just visiting someone's sites. Those things do come in at, into it in that way and and I think you can kind of clean up your digital footprint before you enter the submitting space <laughs> and, and just actually take a look at that and say, okay, well, what is the author part of me that I'm going to take forward or do I need a new sort of social media account here, which, which is my writing self, which is actually makes a lot of sense to to disconnect that from the the personal social media too yes Um, but on the whole we will be looking at the work first and if someone is really uncomfortable in the social media space we've certainly got training available and um, encouragement but if it's not authentic and people are just awkward within that space and don't like it then there's no point in being there either so it's it's okay what are the other strengths of this this author and how will we promote them in other ways so that we are working with every individual's strengths yeah no that's great that's really good and there's different 
avenues, I suppose, than just say social media. There's obviously audio and, and video and all different kind of formats you can put yeah. yourself forward. So no, that, that's good that you you work with authors as well. Fantastic. Back to the, the book, the chapter four, section three, page 91 uh, in the book, it does touch upon what booksellers do, which I love. And it includes a list of their booksellers working activities. Do you believe, you know, traditional, I'd say self-published authors, we do have a booksellers mindset because we are the bookseller and we have all the mindsets of putting the book out. But say from a traditional author, who's submitting to traditional publishing houses, should they approach their author business with a bookseller's mindset? Because obviously the publisher takes on the work. They're the publisher. They're the ones that are marketing and editing it, thinking about and distributing it. Do you think the author still has to have that bookseller's mindset because they they need to work alongside the publisher to go out and help sell the book effectively as well? I think that the author... When they have a traditional publisher with a a strong marketing team, they can follow and be responsive and not try to overly take control of the process. But I think it's also really important for authors to understand what booksellers do and how they do it so that they can, an author approaching a bookshop and a bookseller can fall in with the rhythms of the place so that you don't march up to someone at Christmas time and, and say, you know, why aren't my books out the front here? Or you know, why don't you stock my books? Or, you know, those kind of just things which a publisher will be taking care of and which don't endear themselves to booksellers as yeah. activities. So I think understand the role of the bookseller and understand what it is to be an active community member in a bookshop are really important things to get a handle on. And that way you you understand your role in the process without trying to manage the process. Yeah, no, that's great. I've loved, attended a fair few amounts of Fremantle Press uh, in-person events over the years. And I've loved how on your panels and stuff, you you do have some booksellers that come up. I think Dimix was at one a while back. And for me, getting the inside of how these people work, I just, I love that learning as well. So no, that's, that's really good advice. And if you are self-publishing, of course, you need to understand how best to distribute and how to really actively approach bookshops and booksellers and what it is they do because the distribution of course falls to you Uh, but still understanding it from that perspective I'd say is is important to being successful in that space yeah no that's fabulous so um the book in the first section I found largely focuses on author craft and publication whilst the second half was sort of sharing raw insight into the reality of you know having a writer career and authors making a living from their books and how to juggle family life which I have been trying to you know do for many years and sometimes successfully sometimes not uh do you have any advice to authors I I think you have you got yourself you've got quite a big family do you have it and advice to us busy people trying to raise families and work part-time whilst trying to do the writing all the people who are trying to do it all <laughs> yeah that that wonderful group of people I think and I think most people feel time poor and that life yeah life throws a lot of curveballs so I think I think it's really important as a writer to be kind to yourself and to as we said before, to understand that this is a long game that you're playing and that your priorities might also fluctuate 
and may have to fluctuate when life gets in the way. So to not be rigid about your own expectations, because I think that can just make things worse about what you're trying to achieve. And also try and work out your own priorities, I think, as a writer. So if you are going to carve out time for yourself, it's easier to do this, of course, if you're feeling supported by those around you. But if you aren't supported or others don't share that priority of you as a writer, I think it's important just to not waste time on not feeling guilty when you take that time for yourself anyway, because it might look to others as if you're just doing nothing or sitting at your desk, and you know, not achieving anything particularly and years can go by in that state. But to add guilt into that equation is just a kind of a waste of time. But I think you can also look at how you manage your time and the kinds of things that are eating it up and how, how you can find time, you know, guilt aside. Yeah. I, I think if you say writing is really important to me, I feel better when I'm writing, I would like to have achieved such and such by the end of the year, then you can look at pockets in your life when you may be just on the couch whizzing through social media or whatever, and you you might lose an hour a day that way. And that's a precious hour that can feel much bigger when you're actually in the writing space. And I think also reward yourself with little steps along the way. I, I heard recently about an author who gave themselves a treat whenever they received a rejection. So oh, wow, <laughs> I like that. <laughs> it was an acknowledgement of, hey, good on you, you know, on to the next thing. You're out there, you're you're stepping forward. So here's here's something for you for your effort, you know. And, and I thought that was a really nice way of, of acknowledging the long game too, the, of saying I'm just going to acknowledge that I'm working really hard regardless of the outcome yeah and putting yourself out there which is a really hard thing to do I love that that's great (laughs) really it's a really practical and kind of that's a really nice way of being kind to yourself yeah yeah so we should be um treating ourselves on and and I don't like the word failures but treating ourselves on yeah those moments I guess where it's not really gone where where we wanted it to go so I'll definitely start doing that (laughs) But, yeah, they are milestones, and any author has got stories of rejections and how they arrived at where they are in unexpected ways, and and so almost every event is an opportunity because it it might redirect you or send you on to the next thing or set you off on a different path. And when you arrive, you look back and say, "Well, who never would have planned that?" But here I am anyway. So it's yeah. good to. Mark those achievements yeah definitely and uh, I love the advice of being kind to yourself it's definitely something that I didn't do in the beginning of my author adventure Mm -hmm. Um, and I and that kind of came about by taking it seriously when I had my first child and uh, you know obviously writing when when the baby slept but I had because I had found something in my life that I loved and actually wanted to do enough to go to school for because I was a bit of a rebel in my early years and didn't go to school but I found something that I was passionate about and this is to me this is my calling so regardless of the outcome I will keep doing it and so I really really wanted to do it but then I was a mum at the same time and a new mum so you kind of don't know how to juggle both and I had a lot of guilt actually and I I release it now and realize yeah like you said you can allow yourself to have those moments where you're sitting resting and and not feel guilty like I can feel it in my body it's like you you need this um okay These days, yeah, yeah, I'm taking it. So no, that's that's fantastic advice there. And I think the other thing is that you're always a writer. So even if you're not at 
at your desk, the, the brain can just spin on beautiful things. You know, the, the mind is working and solving things all the time. So even when you're taking a walk, you're a writer if you're stuck and that can be productive in itself. Or, you know, you're you're at 3 a.m., you'll wake up and you'll have solved something or whatever. So I think it is still being really clear of I'm a writer, this is what I do and I love this and we'll do it no matter what. And then understanding that there is a business side and a practical side, which also needs time dedicated to it. But if you can maintain the vision of the first passion and just how much that gives you in itself, then I think that's the thing that keeps you going and making your way forward, whatever barriers or little bumps you encounter. Yeah, you can, you can feel like if you're not sitting at the desk and writing uh you can feel like you're procrastinating or you're not doing you're not doing anything but I'm a, a major thinker I've found that I need to really think through a lot of my work first and and throughout as well so when when I'm doing that I've, I've accepted that like you said I could now say to myself I'm thinking I am writing because that's part of the process as well whereas in the past it felt it felt like if I wasn't actively sitting here typing or something nothing much was getting done yeah that's exactly right yeah no that's great uh well we're gonna switch over from author to publisher now so you are the publisher at Fremantle Press of traditional books can you and as this is the hybrid author podcast so we would like to be published traditionally but also self-publish our books as well can you tell us what your thoughts are on authors who do take it upon themselves to self-publish sure it, it there are times when it certainly makes sense to make the choice to self-publish. And I think those times are when you know you can reach your audience, you know what your own expectations are, and and if they fall in line with who you can reach, like it might be a community or a small number or whatever it is that you decide success looks like, if you can do that, then it might well make sense to self-publish knowing that you will need to do your homework and also learn the hacks. It's certainly self-publishing is a lot easier than it used to be and you don't wind up with a thousand books under your bed now. You can do a print run of one if you like. And I absolutely love that. And I love the quality of what uh, print-on-demand printers do. Nonetheless, the business side of yourself also, you're going to do yourself favours if you tend to that side of yourself. So to be clear-eyed about what your goals and aspirations are, how many readers you can reach and how you're going to do that. Talking to others about the pitfalls, so seeing what you can avoid and should avoid. Define what success and satisfaction means to you and also be prepared to invest in the professional elements of producing a book which may be outside your remit. So being prepared to spend money on book design, proofreading should always be outside your remit. Yeah, definitely. (laughs) That is a fact. And not just a friend who's a proofreader either. Professional proofreaders bring something extraordinary to that job. And then also things like website design. So so you need to think, what team do I need around me to really make this book happen? If your aspiration is to, I suppose, produce a book that can also appear in a bookshop, If it's just for family and friends, then, you know, you can scale up or down accordingly. And then it's also what size format, what format is my book going to be in relation to the envelopes I want to stick it into post, you know, things like that. So so that's where talking to other writers who have self-published is really, really important because you can go about it the easy way or the hard way. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. It's, um, it's definitely a learning curve and there's, there's lots of help out there, thankfully, but formatting is not my forte. And, uh, but I've realized that if I am going to self-publish my work because I change it so often and it, it costs a fortune, 
And if you want to, if you pay a format or, you know, it's maybe a hundred bucks, but each time that you want to change something, it's, you know, it's $50, this and that. So I thought this is a skill I really have to hone in on, but um, it's been very hard. (laughs) Yeah. But no, that was, that was fantastic advice there. As a traditional publisher, can you advise if, say, an author submits to you, but they also self-publish, would that go against them? As in, I suppose, I suppose if they're self-publishing in a different genre from the, what they're submitting, and also what if they're submit, what if they're self-publishing in a genre they are submitting as well, though, does that matter or not really? It's just again, no, it just that's... goes on the submission, and you're not looking at their past, whatever. Well, we, we are looking, um, mm-hmm. but it certainly doesn't go against uh it's, it's not a strike against an author at all mm-hmm. and in fact quite a lot of our authors are in that category of having self-published I don't recall ever publishing a book that was already self-published generally that kind of book will have already met its market so you know we we wouldn't take on something like that but we absolutely work with authors who are either concurrently self-publishing or have been self-published in the past, especially because it's so easy to do now. It's not surprising that that has happened. Yep. So it's just it's just a more diverse publishing landscape. Yeah, yeah. And I suppose some authors see it as a way to, uh, for myself, I'm just in, I'm impatient, but <laughs> for some authors, I feel that they, they maybe want to do it and then that's how they could start building a brand, I suppose, before going down the traditional path. Sure. I mean, whatever it takes, really. <laughs> And yeah. you are going to learn a great deal from what your what your public face looks like. And, you know, you, you learn from your successes and you also learn from your mistakes. So, yes, um, it's... <laughs> this <laughs> <And> is true. <laughs> In my first year of university, I independently published... Uh, it was like, it was, it was a middle grade, but it was a bit all over the place. And I never had it professionally edited. And even when I put it out, I had crippling self-doubt about that, that you just don't actually think people are going to read this. And then I was really, you know, what are people going to think about it? And the fact that it wasn't edited and I just could, you know, people would say, oh, you know, you've written a book. And I'd say, oh, it's crap. Don't buy it. That's exactly how I would say it. And I thought, oh my gosh. So that, that experience to me was, it's been such a, a lesson, which has been great. You know, I'll never, ever not have my work professionally edited not that it was bad or anything but you know uh, it can always be made better by editors that's for sure and you truly do learn I mean I think whenever a book is published you learn something from it whether that's self-publishing or otherwise and you learn something about yourself and if you are in a community of people who are also doing the same things around you you are going to be learning from them as well and you can take note and learn from your peers oh that's great I'd like to try and do that as well or or they'll say ah don't do this or (laughs) don't use that person or you know this person is fabulous whatever as a cohort it's really good to have people around you who are experiencing the same kind of things yeah that's it and it's great that there's so many it's there's such a, a a big writing community out there and everybody's very nice and welcoming and we have great information that's out there you know the Fremantle Press podcast is a, a fabulous resource not so much for you know the self-publishing but just having an author business so you know the the book that you you put out the Fremantle Press podcast regularly hosts episodes on how to be an author and in-person events which us and WA are lucky to attend can you tell us what can we expect from how to be an author you know the business of being a writer in Australia is there going to be an excellent series from this work or is there anything in production so far with this or this was just a one-time thing yeah not right now I think we would continue to be responsive so that if we see there's a range of things that that we can also just share then we will 
work to share it. So I'd say watch the space. But also in the meantime, I'd really encourage listeners to join our How to Be an Author in Australia Facebook group because that's where in real time the community is talking and sharing their experiences and asking questions. And there are writers on that of all different stages of experience and there are also also publishing industry professionals. So it's a, it's a really nice space to, to share and to learn. And yes. that's kind of... Um, those are the little tugboats that are following this book along. <laughs> Actually, that metaphor doesn't work because tugboats do a lot of work. Everything's <laughs> following in the stream behind this book, and as is the podcast, and we're really happy that authors are and writers are benefiting from the sharing of information. And I think it's a community where it really pays to be generous and collegiate and everyone attempt to advance together benefits from that yeah no it's great I love the podcast and I'm on the page as well the Facebook group it's fantastic but also even though the book is you know how to be an author the business of writing in Australia I still feel the book it's it's got quite a universal feel to it as well you know I, I think even though it's it says Australia, authors could pick up the book and they would definitely get so much from it, even if they don't reside in Australia. That's good to hear. We do have a lot of happy New Zealand owners of the book. I know that. I think, though, that when we did look around at the market, there were not exactly this kind of book, but you could find this kind of information in, in say, different places in the Northern Hemisphere. And we really wanted the Australian focus and the list of resources back is really Australian focused because that was the group that we primarily wanted to reach and to assist. Yeah, yeah, that's the main target, I think. But I definitely, I still feel, even though it's it's in Australia, definitely as a writer, there's things that you can take on board that wouldn't matter where you resided and that would help uh, being an author and, and having an author business. So, yeah. Well, thank you so much for sharing your expertise and your time, Georgia. That was absolutely amazing. Thank you so much. Where can our listeners discover you and all your your Fremantle Press authors and of course how to be an author the business of being a writer in Australia online and in stores absolutely um I hopefully your show notes will have some, some <laughs> yeah. links but yeah I'd love it if people joined us on Facebook and uh come listen to us on the podcast as they indeed listen to yours Joanne which is also a really nice way of reaching out to people and including people and sharing experiences there are many universal sensations one has when being a writer <laughs> yes that's it no thank you thanks so much for saying so that's great I will definitely put the Facebook group the podcast links to Fremantle Press all, all the all the various sites uh in the show notes brilliant thanks Joanne So there you have it, folks, the wise and wonderful words of Georgia Richter sharing some of her fabulous expertise on how to be an author, the business of being a writer in Australia. Next time on the Hybrid Author Podcast, we hit 30 episodes and to celebrate, it's a mid-year mashup of all the previous guests I've had on the podcast since January this year, 2022. You'll hear the very best from picture book publishing duo Paridi P. Aped and Disha Padwartan prolific author-illustrator Franny Lassac, myself on educational and public lending rights, the middle-grade magicians Dennis Knight and Christy Byrne, Sonia Danahar and Samantha Miles from Bad Apple Press, non-fiction and children's author Lorraine Horsley, the Australian Society of Authors Jodie Spiteri-James, children's author Sharon Giltrow, publishing powerhouse Karen McDermott, young adult author Holden Shepherd, women's fiction author Monique Mulligan, 
hybrid author Sarah Epstein and the WA Premier's award winner Shirley Marr. Going to be amazing. Wish you well in your author adventure for the next week. That's it from me. It's bye for now. That's the end for now, authors. I hope you are further forward in your author adventure after listening, and I hope you'll listen next time. Remember to head on over to the Hybrid Author website at www.hybridauthor.com.au to get your free author pass. It's bye for now.